Amen. Well, good morning, church. <clears throat> How many have all your Christmas shopping done? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you look at me like, ah! <clears throat> well, good to be here in the house of the Lord today, amen? Uh, just a couple of announcements. I'm actually going to read some verses, and then um, I'll pray. Uh, but uh, uh, Christmas Eve candlelight, communion service next Sunday. So we will, um, I have a message I want to share, just a very simple gospel message. And uh, it's based on the most powerful verse in the Bible. One of, all the Bible is powerful, but John 3.16. And so this would be a, a great service to invite somebody to that doesn't know the Lord or maybe someone that is just struggling in their, in their faith. And uh, I'm going to share a brief message. We're going to have communion and, and then we're going to light the candles and sing and have a great time for that uh, service. So uh, with that, let me just take a moment <clears throat> as we begin. I have a couple of texts. Uh, one is Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Amen? I'm going to talk about it in a moment. But my text is actually when Jesus is presented at the temple. Could we just take a moment and stand? I have a number of verses here that I'd like to read. But it's the standing reading of the Word of God. In Luke 2.21, it says, At the end of eight days, when he, Jesus, was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and devout a man waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. For a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce, pierce through your own soul also, and so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years when she was a virgin, then a widow until she was 84 years old. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God to speak of him, the baby Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. And I do recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
I ask that you speak to your people here today. Lord, as you give me that word at the beginning of the service that you are going to deposit a steadfastness, a, a, a sturdiness in your people here today, a, a, a confidence, a, an enablement to continue on, to overcome in strength and not to, to, to vacillate, Father God. I just pray that steadiness even now, that that presence, that grace come upon your people, especially as we get close to entering a new year during this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. God bless you. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about waiting patiently for God's promise. And there's, there's a price to waiting. I don't like waiting. <laughs> I don't know about you. Some people, it's just easy. Uh, I think I think of, we love them dearly, uh, Inky and Teresa, Rhonda's sister and, and brother-in-law. And uh, I'm not saying that they don't they don't mind waiting, but when stuff happens, they just go, oh, well, no big deal. And they just move forward and they just enjoy the moment where at times, come on, somebody, I'm frustrated. <laughs> What's going on? Why? Or I remember a time we were heading to go see our son and out there in Boise and you got to kind of drive these roads that are pretty barren and we missed a turn. 30 miles later, yes, can you feel that? I'm thinking, where are we? And there's no road where they let you turn. I'm ready to turn on the grass. And 30 miles later, there was a turn off when I came back. And I'm telling you, I wasn't happy. I don't like waiting, waiting on the Lord. To some, it means spending time in prayer, seeking God, standing firm on what God has already spoken to you. Friends, to wait on God uh, his, his answer, uh, his voice, or his promise and prayer is an essential part of our walk with the Lord. And I've had to learn that and continually have to learn that through this walk of faith in my life. Psalm 37 uh, verse 7 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Do not fret over those who succeed in their ways. In other words, evildoers, things that, that you look and see, it's like, how come they're prospering, it seems? How come they're having fun? Come on, somebody. They seem like they're getting away with it, and I'm in pain and suffering. Am I speaking to anybody? And it's like you got one will go. It's unfair, God. Wait on the Lord. He is faithful. Can I get an amen? Romans 8.25 says, reminds us to wait for what we do not see with patience. My text, Galatians 6.9. It says, let us not grow weary. Somebody shall grow weary. Of doing good for in due season or the proper time is actually what that means, a carol's time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do you know the Lord has a carol's moment for your life? It is a, it's at a time when God moves. And it's without a doubt, without excuse, you can see and look back and go, this is what happened. It was a point in time in my life. But before that, there was a time of just pressing in and persevering. It's, the, you know, actually grow weary in the Greek means to become discouraged. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of some of you that have faced that. <clears throat> to be negatively influenced with the outcome of experiencing inner weakness. Or another translation says to fail in heart. And many believers in this season are failing in heart. What is very tragic, <clears throat> even though... Uh, what the enemy meant for evil during COVID and churches were closed. And it was an awful time in the world, globally. And, uh, uh, but, but sadly, many believers never returned back to church. Come on. 
They got in the habit. Now, for some people, you know, they found church, <laughs> or they found a church that was alive, amen? Uh, but, <clears throat> and so in the midst of that, God moved. But sadly, there are many that are, they, they're, they're, they, they failed in heart, and they have not returned to the house of God. How many with me say amen? So getting to my message here, you know, most Christmas programs or pageants focus on the principal characters of the nativity story. And uh, we've done them through the years in, in Christmas programs and have had nativity scenes. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you have an innocent Mary or, you know, bewildered Joseph or awestruck shepherds. And uh, there's a sleeping baby Jesus. And then we throw in these non-biblical extras like the little drummer boy. Can we pull up the little drummer boy? Uh, I love the little drummer boy. Come on. I mean, <clears throat> this came out in 1968. And a little background about, you know, we spice these things up. I was about seven years old when I watched this. And I think of the little drummer boy. And <clears throat> he was uh, recruited by the Magi to, to join on the journey to see Jesus. But here's the thing. He had nothing to give to Jesus except his drum solo. Isn't that cute? And I remember watching that, and I so much wanted to learn to play the drums. So I was in elementary school, and I went, took up a class, and I started, you know, doing a little of this. After about two sessions, I had to walk home because all the school buses left the school. And so I had eight miles to walk home when nobody would pick me up. So I only lasted two training sessions in learning the drums. But yeah, there's still time. There's still time. <clears throat> but incidentally, Harvest needs some little drummer boys and drummer girls. I'm giving a plug for the worship team, okay? Come on, and we're so thankful for Phil and AJ and and, and, but, you know, hey, train your kids in, in worship. Come on, somebody. Train them this next year. If they're just only doing sports, okay, that's fine. Train them because they can carry. They can be a part of something. They can give on the keys. I mean, Caitlin does training here. She does uh, uh, lessons. And, and so I want to just encourage you. To, yeah, think about that. Think about that. So Harvest needs some drummer boys or drummer girls. All right, moving right along. You can bring up the other slide. So, so. Uh, I, you know, when you see a play or a movie, The Christmas Story, and, and uh, I, I have never really seen one that included the Christmas story about Simeon and Anna. These are two Jewish intercessors who prophesied over Jesus a few days after his birth. And so I want to talk to you about the importance of this spiritual principle of waiting patiently for the promise that God has for your life. And I do appreciate testimonies and stories of people, believers who <clears throat> waited patiently for God's promise, people who persevered through hardship and adversity. And I just think of especially this uh, millennial generation. Uh, how many remember the Lord of the Rings trilogy? <clears throat> and this came out back in 2001, uh, <clears throat> the Fellowship of the Ring. It was actually a few months after 9-11 where the world and the USA was reeling. And then they come out with the Lord of the Rings. And I thought about, you know, they grossed over $3 billion worldwide, this trilogy. And it's a fantasy novel by J.R. Tolkien. And the plot starts in the first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. <clears throat> um, Frodo Baggins, his hobbit, has been given the task of a, a ring bearer by Gandalf wizard and one of the rings of power. So a team of hobbits and friends, they begin this perilous journey to, to Mount Doom in the land of Mordor. And the only place where the ring can be destroyed is there in that fire. 
And so they face enormous obstacles as they come out with each of these movies. Isn't that right? I mean, they have betrayal. They have orcs. They have all these new kind of enemies from within and without. And one was a horrible scene, the huge spider. <laughs> I just, <laughs> dark Lord Saron. And then on top of that, Golem. Golem, you know, we introduced to this character. And one of my favorite scenes was in the Mines of Mora when Boromir shouts, they have a cave troll. I'm thinking, a cave troll? What is a cave troll? And it was just like, it just engrossed you into the movie because every movie came out, they had all these the areas where they had to persevere. And so many times Frodo wanted to give up, give the ring to somebody else. Come on, this is not one of the nine rings. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> but, but, but they persevered. They persevered. How many with me say amen? So in Luke 2, we see this dedication of the baby Jesus, and the story moves to Simeon and Anna, who just, now I'm going to say this, happened to be in the temple of this time. Both of them are righteous, God-fearing people whom God has sent as witnesses. Now watch this. When I think of just happened by chance, they made it to the temple. Or in other words, they just happened by chance to be in church that day. No, they were divinely directed by God. I don't believe it is an accident you're here today. I, you may have just, your wife may have made you come today, something else, you know, family member, a relative, or you're just like, ah, I just need, I need, I need God today. Regardless, God's spirit had led you here today. He, he has a word for you. Can you say amen? And so I really believe, I believe that God is still divining, leading his people out of death into life. He still is. From dead places of religion to places of life in the spirit. And so these were God-fearing people. And I think about some verses in the scripture about illustration of being divinely led. In Acts chapter 8, the story is told, verse 29, about Philip, who's an evangelist who has supernatural power. God is working through him, mighty works. But he, incidentally, was a deacon. He was a deacon in the church. He was one of seven chosen to care for the poor of the Christian community in Jerusalem. Not to preach. Not to, to lead, do announcements, not to, none of that. Not to sing, nothing. He was a deacon, come on somebody, to take care of the poor. He was selected, but God used him mightily. Out of that, watch this, initial obedience of service, God did great things. And he does that with our life too. You know, when I started in uh, ministry back August 1st, 1993, and I remember it was a Monday, and I started out in, 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 in Ashby working with Pastor Steve Cornemon, dear friend. And at the time, it was called Country Bible Church. It was Destiny Church now. Amazing group of church family out there. We love them dearly. Uh, I, when I started out there, I remember driving from Boston in the, the budget rental. And I told my wife, I was like, what does a youth pastor do? I've never been to youth group before. <laughs> She's like, what? I was like, I know nothing of what youth do. How do, what do they do, you know? What is a youth pastor supposed to do? So I was on a fast learning curve. But you know what? I took a step of faith and said, yes, I'll pack up everything I have, which wasn't much back then, and I'm gonna move from one state to the other and be obedient because God has an open door for me to serve. I had no idea harvest was in the future. 
I had no idea this was a, and that we would be a part of a church that would expend over 1.1 million to missions and me travel over 10 different nations and each of these flags represent a country either someone was saved in or we have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in locally and internationally. Can somebody say amen? amen. Just the step of faith, being led by the Holy Spirit. How many with me say amen? And so the Holy, Holy Spirit says to, to Philip, he says there's an Ethiopian court official who's riding by a chariot and he's reading an Old Testament verse in Isaiah. He doesn't understand it. And the Holy Spirit moves on him and says, go, speak to him. Jump up in the, carrot, the chariot. And he did and he began to share. He gets saved. This guy, this Ethiopian, and he gets water baptized and something supernatural happens and he's gone. He's out, of the, he's out of there, Philip. And so what am I trying to say? The Holy Spirit will lead you to people that need the revelation that God has and birthed within you to give in to them, to give to them. He will do that. He will bring you if you're awakened to his voice. How many are awake this morning? <clears throat> Amen. We, don't, we can be asleep spiritually but awake physically. Just throwing that out. You know, another interesting verse be about divinely led. In certain instances, we're sometimes led not to speak. In Acts 16, 6, the disciples were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, does that mean God says, I don't care about those in Asia? No, because we know that many disciples did go into <clears throat> Asia, and, and the word of the Lord spread throughout all Asia uh, shortly after that. But it was a timing issue. Timing. And God has issues of timing for our life at certain times and seasons, he will begin to open things up. But our job is to remain consistent and faithful. Can you say amen? And so uh, let me just continue a little bit of background about Simeon. It, it, it is a Hebrew name that actually means hearing, hearing. And so he heard in Hebrew, Luke 2.25, uh, uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout Man and the Holy Spirit, watch this, was upon him. Now it doesn't say that it was within him. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and they would do great mighty acts. And Spirit of God, after he was finished that, it would be they they it would be lifted off of them. But see, in the New Testament, as believers, when we're born again after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit now dwells within us forever with us. <clears throat> and so that is 2 Corinthians 6, Romans 8, 9 talks about that. So we see Simeon was moved, or I could say led by the Spirit of God. He goes into the temple courts and he was sensitive enough, watch this, to hear the Spirit's voice and say, go into the temple this day, even though he is faithful at it and continually serve the Lord. And so the parents uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. But Simeon is privy to this now, and he sees this, and he's moved by the Spirit, and he goes over to the child. And he took him in his arms, and he began to praise God. And Luke 2.32 says, When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, Simeon took the boy in his arms and declared that he was the light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now, here's what's interesting. Most of Israel was clueless about God's plan of salvation. Now I'm going to meddle here in a moment, and they were angry about the political situation that was going on. Amen, church, and the Roman occupation. Simeon knew Jesus was coming because the Holy Spirit told him. 
And the Holy Spirit told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. That guy actually heard from the Lord. <clears throat> and so this tells me, now watch this, at times that I can, I'm just going to personalize it, be so caught up in my issues that I can miss Jesus right in front of me or walking right by me. Are you here this morning? And sadly, some believers are clueless today. You know, this is a day of standing. This is a day of fighting. This is a day where we stand up and we take a stand for the kingdom of God. This is where we say, no, Satan, you're not going to destroy our kids. You're not, you're not going to have our children. You know, you're not going to swear, not over a Bible, but pornographic material when a mayor gets instituted into a city. We're not doing that in our community. We're not going to allow these. Am I speaking to anybody? Somebody has to stand up. Somebody has to take a stand and fight and say, you know what? We're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in the heavenly. And so, so some believers, sadly, are clueless, and they focus on the wrong things. They get off on theological ditches and teaching. Teachings that, I use this word, anesthetize. You know what I mean by that? When someone they give you, when they, when they want to put you under, I remember having surgery on my neck back in 2002, and, and I was just real nervous about it. And, and uh, so they brought me to St. Cloud, and, and my wife was there. And, <clears throat> well, they gave me this anesthesia, and it's actually a funny story, but it's actually true. And the next thing, I wake up, and I have a warm blanket on me, and I have a Catholic nun sitting next to me. <clears throat> And what happened was there was an emergency accident that the doctor had to do emergency surgery and kind of push me off to the sides and put me to sleep. <laughs> Literally, so for 45 minutes, they pushed me aside, and he was carrying to this. And so when I woke up, this was the thing that was horrifying to me. When I woke up and she said, tell me, what else about your family in Boston? I had no recollection of what I've been talking to this lady about. What did I say? Next thing you know, I was back out again. <laughs> Anyhow, but, but some, there's stuff out there that sedates believers, constantly arguing and debating about words and theology and scripture. And nobody goes on a missions trip. Nobody spreads the gospel. Come on, somebody. Nobody serves. It's just we debate. It's constant debate. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, Paul says to Timothy, these sorts of people are ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, I know that may burst some people's bubble, and that is, that is not a license to not learn. I am constantly learning. I am constantly reading. Come on, I'm constantly challenging myself to grow. Please hear what I'm saying. But it gets the point. These things have no eternal value uh, uh, in debate, and getting, people get all caught up in it. Anyhow, you know what? God's word for you next year in 2024 is not clueless. Not clueless, not clueless about what God is doing. I've never, we do this every beginning of the year. We're going to have some prayer and fasting. And in January, the dates will be coming out. We do three days, and then we come on a, usually with that Wednesday night with the youth, we worship. And this is the time people share a word that, you know, God has given them for that year. I have never, in all the years we've done it, someone come up, my word is clueless for this year. <laughs> I've heard the word of slow. I've heard that. But I'm like, okay. I think Rhonda's word is happy. Fun. Rhonda's word is fun. So we're going to have fun in 2024. Amen? <laughs> but, but God's word is not clueless, but it's clear. It's certain. It's sure. It's informed. It's understanding. It's grounded. It means in the loop, enlightened, 
It means clueful. It means conscious. Can I get an amen? That's how the Lord wants us. You know, when I think about that and I think of other Bible stories and illustrations in Acts 17, talking about knowing and understanding, Acts 17, verses 10 through 15, is the story of the Bereans in Mesopotamia. <clears throat> the Bible says that Paul preached to the Bereans during his second missionary journey. Now, these were people, watch this, they were, <clears throat> they were known for searching, nothing wrong with that, in studying the Bible for themselves. And the Bible says this about them. It says they were more noble. Somebody shout noble. Noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with eagerness is one thing about studying to know, and there's one thing about arguing all the time. Thank you for those two amens. They were people whose standard for authority and truth was the very word of God. Even though they hadn't met the word made flesh, Jesus, they still cherished the Old Testament words of God. And the Bible says, so they searched the scriptures, and they came to the conclusion some people never come to the conclusion. But they came to the conclusion that, hey, these guys, what they're preaching is truth, so we're going to believe it. And we're going to follow it. They had made up minds. They searched the scripture. They didn't end there constantly debating. They, they searched it. They came to a conclusion, and they followed Jesus. Amen? So, but not only Simeon, but we have this, this elderly woman named Anna. The Bible says that Anna walked into on the scene. She was a pious woman. Uh, <clears throat> she was a fixture in the, uh, in the woman's court of the temple. She was an 84-year-old widow. And she had been, the Bible said, praying, watch this, and fasting continually in the temple, asking God to send the Savior, send the Messiah, the Messiah come. And what a devout woman. I want you to think about that, that she just gave her life over to serving, to seeking, to praying, and to fasting. You know, let me tell you this, that those that make a decision this coming time in, in January, they decide, you know what, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to consecrate my soul and fast. God will honor that. I said he will honor that in your life. Whatever it is that you, he asks you to do when you pray, those that come to a Saturday prayer, God sees you. God sees you worshiping. He sees you kneeling. He sees you praying. And he has a, he has a breakthrough for you. Can I get an amen? Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and 37, it says there was a prophetess, Anna. Notice it says prophetess. The woman was a spiritual woman, and she had a grace and a gift, a prophetic mantle in her life. How many know God has called women? Thank you, amen. And women can minister and prophesy and get the word of the Lord. And so not only did Simeon, but she was led by the Spirit of God to come into the temple and go, what are you saying, Lord? Is this the day? What's going on? Who is this baby here? And so this woman, she came in, and the Bible says she was a daughter of Phanel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. So she's had seven years with her husband, and then he died. What does she do? She follows Jesus. She stays faithful to the Lord. She never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. It just blows my mind. So here is an old lady. A widow for 60 plus years, 84 years old, she commits her life to worship and service in the temple day and night, the Bible says. Wow. And what, is, what does God reward her with? We're reading about her today. Someday when we get to heaven, we'll meet Anna. 
grill me and say, Anna, you know, tell me about all those 60 plus years. You know, what did you do as you prayed and you fast? And so God rewards her with being mentioned in the Bible for her faithfulness to God's church. And, and, and she was a, a, a tremendous, powerful woman. But she immediately, she recognized Jesus as the answer to her prayers. And she began telling everyone that, that, that the long wait was over, that this is the Messiah. And so it was a scene, I believe, of jubilation for all the time she persevered. And I imagine both Simeon and Anna held their hands in the air. I, I would imagine they just shouted or they praised God and they said, this is the Messiah. And some of the Sadducees and Pharisees, what, what, what are these people? They're making a ruckus over there. What are they saying? And they're just shouting, what's no small thing? This wasn't done in secret. This was, this was right out in the open. And they welcomed the fulfillment of the ancient messianic prophecies. But here's the point. Here's my point this morning. What we don't see in this happy, joyful scene, watch this, are the decades of painful groaning that these old saints endured. Decades, excuse me, of seemingly nothingness. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Nothing seems like it's happening. No answers to the prayer. No, no outward visible signs. God, where are you? Where is your promise? Where is your promise? Nothing. But what did they do? They remained faithful in what they knew. They, they remained steady in what God has told them. You know, sometimes we look for a new word, but not fulfilling the old word he gave us. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw it out there. And some of you, God has given you a word, and it's like, okay, yes, he told me last year to start reading the word of God, and I'm going to do that. How's that going for you? God, awfully quiet here. <laughs> Just keep looking forward. What, I don't, I'm not trying to put condemnation on it, but how many, when God speaks to you, that's opportunity that there's power and ability that you can do that. He said, if I'm telling you to do something and I'm and prompting you, then you can do that. But we still have a free will. Amen. I'm gonna move right along here. <clears throat> nothing happened. God, we're nothing for decades, but they remain faithful. Wow, tremendous faith. You know, you have that faith. Did you hear that? You have that faith. You have that faith to remain steady. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So there's something about waiting and courage in your life that they, they work hand in hand, and God wants you to be courageous. Continue on. And so that joyful moment of Jesus' birth, it did not come without a price. And what is that price? The price of waiting. Here's the thing. God's promises, like the birth of children, how many know that they require a period of gestation? Isn't that right? It's an agonizing season of just waiting. And once again, I don't like waiting. It's really hard for me. And, and God has, you know, I have... Many, many illustrations and things where I've had to check out lines or whatever. Wait, wait. And sometimes I, I go to a place and, and then the moment the person sees me, they go into slow mode. I don't know why. I just, I just like, there's something going on here. They're working quick and they see me and they, now what did you say you wanted? You know, and so I, smile, I smile, I'm nice. Yes, sir, ma'am, you know. The price of waiting, and it, it's hard for me. 
you know, here's the thing. Most people in the Bible who claim big promises did not get instant microwave answers. How many know Moses, 40 years in the backside of the desert, at 40 years old, he went into exile. And then at 80, he came out. That was when he saw the burning bush. Backside of the desert, we've got childless Hannah. Or we have Abraham waiting for his promised son. Took 25 years. 25 years? And Joseph in prison, uh, they calculated about 14 years on and off. And the imprisonment of the apostle Paul. And what did they do? They travailed, they waited, and they travailed some more. I know that's not, you know, encouraging to you all, but it's a principle, it's a truth in God's word. How many with me say amen? So, you know, even in the animal kingdom, big creatures often have the longest gestation periods. You know, I think like the, a baby whales in his mother's womb for 18 months. Ladies, you can say amen for nine, right? <clears throat> a baby giraffe waits 15 months. <clears throat> Excuse me, some species of elephants are pregnant for two years. <laughs> what does it tell? It tells me, watch this, that if I'm carrying a big promise from the Lord, I'd be, I, I need to be prepared to wait. The, the, we got to lean into that, and we need to embrace that. When I think about this building, when we first started Harvest, this church came about by prayer and fasting back in the fall of 1999. For 10 days, I just sought the Lord, and, and there were some things I had to do obedience-wise in the place where I served at and humbled myself. But, but out of that, I think God blessed it. But Harvest began, and, and uh, <clears throat> we met in our living room for a period of time. And many of you know the story, but some of you don't, and then and then we transitioned to the <clears throat> Alexandria Technical College. We were set up and tear down on Sunday nights. And then we went to Discovery Middle School for four years. Set up, tear down. Some of you still here remember that. In the middle of the winter, pulling out equipment and waiting for it to warm up. And we did that. And then God brought us into our old facility, Aga Drive. And I for sure, when I signed that lease, I remember with the owner and I said, uh, you know what, we'll be out of here in three years. So we're going to sign a five-year lease, but we'll be out of here in three years. 16 years later... We started building harvest. But you know what? I didn't know. I wanted to move forward. I wanted it to happen. But God knew in 2021 that was the time. <clears throat> Why? There was a number of things that were just divinely orchestrated in that moment that I could not have foreseen. Nobody could have foreseen. But in that sliver of window, we built a building. Yeah, there were some supply chain things, but... It was a few things, aluminum doors or whatever, but everything came together. And on top of that, we got an interest rate at 2.8%. Hallelujah. I mean, that's like free money. And then it changed. We know what it's at today. See, we, we, we just, in that moment, I didn't know that. I couldn't plan that. I couldn't have planned that, but God knew in that moment. And he worked and through many of you here in the church in that moment. And you responded to the Lord and you answered the call and you received the blessing of that. I believe that. I'm almost done here. So if we're carrying big promises from the Lord, we need to be prepared to wait. Embrace this. You know, <clears throat> I watched my wife give birth to all of our children. There's a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting. And, <clears throat> and here's the thing. We quickly uh, how quickly, I should say, we forget that prayer is often compared to child in childbirth in the Bible. It's a period of just a time, a process. We press through the darkness of doubt, and, and we lay hold of God's sure promise, especially when we feel like at times we want to give up. You know, I, I read this illustration. It, it, it's a true story. It's perseverance. It's a, during the Vietnam War, 
the computer billionaire uh, Ross Perot, he decided he would give a Christmas present to every American prisoner of war in Vietnam. And so according to David Frost, who tells the story, Ross Perot had thousands of packages wrapped and prepared for shipping. He chartered a fleet of Boeing 707s to deliver them to Hanoi. But the war was at its height, and the Hanoi government said, no, it's not going to cooperate, so they refused the planes to come in. So no charity was possible. And the officials explained, while American bombers were devastating Vietnam villages, the wealthy Perot offered to hire an American construction firm to help rebuild what the Americans had knocked down. The government still would not cooperate. Christmas drew near. The packages were unsent. Refusing to give up, I like this, Perot finally took off in his chartered fleet and flew to Moscow, where his aides mailed the packages one at a time through the Moscow Central Post Office. They were all delivered intact. Friends, that's perseverance. That's perseverance, amen? This is a key point. Spiritually speaking, many of us today, we're at a very intense stage in your spiritual development, and I really believe even for America in particular, it's this transition phase. That's why I felt the Spirit of God said earlier, just to pray and declare this steadiness, this circumspectness, especially going into this new year. And, you know, there's a time in the season where the pregnant woman feels confused and there's certain foods she doesn't like and sometimes the hair is falling out. It's like, what's going on? There's all these changes. There's irritableness, there's restlessness. And it's a time, and even spiritually speaking, many of us watch this, we endure similar feelings of desperation in our walk with God. And we ask ourselves, did God really promise me that? And everything inside us wants to quit believing. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Did you get that? To the soul who continually seeks him, the Lord is good to him. I want to encourage you to continue on. Continue on in the Lord. And I'm sure that Simeon and Anna considered quitting during their many, many decades of prayer and seeking the, the Lord. I would imagine the headlights in Jerusalem were depressing. The economy at that time was awful. The political situation was demoralizing. Sounds a lot like our headlines today, right? Yet these two, watch this, faithful prayer warriors didn't go into retirement. They persevered. Stand with me if you would, please. In other words, they found the grace to press on. Even though their hands seemed like they grew feeble, their faith grew strong. There was times they felt maybe barren, but they persevered anyway. That speaks to me. And finally, their perseverance paid off. And they truly had something to shout about. They got to hold the baby Jesus because they were faithful. <clears throat> if he had bowed here this morning, if you would, please. You know, friend, churches, we enjoy this Christmas season, family and friends. My prayer this morning is that the faith of Simeon and Anna will inspire you to hold tightly to all that God has promised you, to refuse to quit, to don't give up, to persevere in prayer, to persevere in faith. I'll end with a story about, true story about young William Wilberforce. He was discouraged one night in the early 1790s after another defeat in his 10-year battle against the slave trade in England. 
tired and frustrated, he opened his Bible, began to leaf through it. A small piece of paper fell out and fluttered to the floor. Actually, it was a letter written by John Wesley shortly before his death. And William Wilberforce, he read it again, and it said this, unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion of England and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up, William, for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing, William. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And William did because he refused to quit because God was for him. And I want to leave you with this this morning with every head bowed. Friends, God is also for you. I said the Lord is also for you. Romans 8, 31 says, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Galatians 6, 9, be not weary in doing well, for in due season you shall reap. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. With every head bowed here this morning. First of all, I want to challenge those of you here this morning. You're not right with the Lord. You're not right with God and you know it. Maybe you're vacillating, backslid, whatever it is. There's a weariness in your soul. And you have a drawback spirit, the Bible talks about, where you've just, you've drawn back away from the things of God. And you're here today. Maybe it's just saying, I'm going to give God one last chance. And, and, and the Lord is here with arms open wide saying, now's the time. Today is a day for you, a day of salvation. I said, Pastor, what do I need to do? The Bible says, repent and believe the good news. Repentance. Faith is not, you know, something that some people have, some people don't have. We all have an element of faith that we can exercise. God's given that. But we have to make a decision first to say, yes, I choose you, Lord. Even though we know that his desire is that all men might be saved, we have our free will in this decision. And you're here this morning. You said, you know, I've never really consciously invited God to be Lord of my Savior in my life, to be king in my heart, repentant of my sin. I want to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a very simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. It's a prayer where you can become born again and you can receive eternal life in your spirit, man or woman. That's you here this morning. Pray with me as you say this. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your spirit. I make a decision today to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. Amen.